That was a joke. All right. How many of you love the Word of God today? I can't get off this worship issue. I just can't get away from it. The Holy Spirit won't let me get away from it. So I want to share with you again today the fifth in the series, Worship in Full Color. How many of you have been thinking to thank, pausing to praise, willing to worship more than before we started this series? Have you been doing that? When I almost got in a wreck today, my first reaction in the flesh was to get irritated with the person in front of me. But then I thought, no, because we're supposed to praise God in the difficult times. We're supposed to pause to praise and think to thank in everything. And so I started singing a song to the Lord, and I drove up to church in a whole different frame of mind because I worship God. And I'm trying to remember to do that. It doesn't come naturally. We are living in tents of flesh. The fleshly reaction is what comes naturally unless you train yourself to become a worshiper. Now, my prayer is that our church is transformed and that Christianity becomes more to some of you than just another deal, a religion, or a set of rules and regulations, or something your mom and dad raised you in. But Christianity becomes a source of life to you, a source of buoyancy to you, something that lifts you and carries you, and not something that you carry around like a burden. Amen. So Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, and I want to call this today, Let Down Your Buckets. Let down your buckets. Isaiah 12. In verse 3, let's stand to read one verse. and Really, actually, two verses. I'm going to go from here to John 4, 14. And then you can sit down the rest of the service, unless I preach you to your feet. Now, Isaiah 12, verse 2. Let's begin at verse 2. This is good. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yah, that is Jehovah, the Lord is my strength and what? Song. And those two go together, a song and strength. He also has become my what, everyone? Salvation. Now, what does it say in verse 3? Therefore. Now, anytime you see a therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Therefore is a connective. It leads, it connects one verse to another. Now, he has said, God is my salvation. He has become my strength. And he has put a song in my mouth. And he is my salvation. Therefore, since I'm saved, with joy you will draw water from the wells, from what, everyone? The wells of salvation. Therefore, since God is your God and has become your strength and your song, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And he doesn't mean H2O. John 4, 14. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And listen to what Jesus said. Whoever drinks of this water, water in a real well, H2O, will thirst again, John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of this water, or whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become where? In him, say it out loud, in him a fountain of water 
springing up into everlasting life. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that you will teach us to be worshipers seven days a week, worshipers 24-7, that we will learn the great and magnificent key that unlocks the flow of the Spirit of God in our life, the key of worship. Let it become real to every saint in this house. In Jesus' name, now will you breathe a prayer? Say, Lord, speak to me today. Amen and amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, it's bubbling, it's bubbling. Now, in Old Testament times, a well of water was of great importance. A well of water was everything. Now, here's why. In Bible lands, it did not rain. It doesn't rain for nine months out of the year. Nine months out of the year in Bible lands, it does not rain. So life in Old Testament times and New Testament times is existed around the oasis made possible by wells. Where there was water, there was life. Where there was no water, there was no life. It's still true today. So it was crucial that you had access to water or you had no reason to live anywhere. Travelers pitched their tents and sometimes took up permanent abode in those places of refreshment called wells. The raising of livestock could be directly attributed to wells. Wells provided strength for the weak, refreshment for the weary. You had to have wells. That's why so often in the Old Testament you'll read of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their twelve, and Jacob's 12 sons digging wells. Everywhere they went, they dug wells because you had to have a well to be able to live in a place. Isaiah the prophet realized that there was a spiritual application to the idea of a well. And he prophesied these words, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. And I'm repeating what we just read, but I want you to hear it again. He has become my strength and he has become a song to me. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you, 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 and you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah is predicting that one day people would draw water from the wells of salvation with what? With joy. With joy. Listen to just a few more references to water and wells from the Bible. Listen to how often it talks about this. Isaiah said again, Ho, everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters of spiritual refreshment. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your earnings for that which does not satisfy? Come to me and your soul shall revive. He is telling us there that God is the source of living waters that refresh the soul. And he is perplexed as to why people spend money, time, effort, sweat, blood, and tears on things that do not satisfy. Jeremiah the prophet wrote, My people have forsaken me. Here is God speaking through Jeremiah, and his heart is broken. He says, My people have forsaken me. And who does he identify himself as being? The spring of living water. And they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. God's people had sought 
peace and life and joy in their own ways, their own methods. That's why the Bible says there is a way, there is a direction, there is a means and a method that looks right, seems right, feels right, but the end of it is death. God's people had sought for peace and joy and life by their own ways. And all they came up with was leaking containers that couldn't hold water, that did not access real life. David the psalmist said, For with you there is a fountain of life. Psalms 36.9. In another place, David said, There is a river whose streams make glad Make glad, make glad the city of God. Is he talking about the Jordan River or some other river in the Middle East? No. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God flowing in us, flowing up out of us, touching our hearts. He said that's the river whose streams make glad the city of God. Jesus said, I came that you may have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now I'm going to read that again because that's in the red ink. Jesus said, I came to earth that you may have and enjoy life. Not just have it, but enjoy it. I know a lot of people are saved, don't enjoy life. I have come that you might have life and not just have life, salvation, going to heaven someday but that you would actually enjoy your days. I have come that you may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance, in overflow, to the full, till it overflows. I've come to bless you until there's no more blessing in your blessing. I've come to give you life and that you might enjoy life. Now listen again to the words that Scripture just used to describe what happens within those who have received salvation through Jesus Christ. Fountain of living water, fountain of life, salvation with joy, gladness, revived souls, and overflowing abundance. Does that sound like the Christians you know? If that's all true, why do so many Christians look like they just bit into a lemon? If that's true... Why do so many Christians look sad, defeated, downcast, and dry? If Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, if you walked into a lot of churches these days, they look like they just buried their best friend. They look like they just got baptized in pickle juice. There is no joy. There is no laughter. You could tell some Christians a smile and their faces wouldn't know how to do it. They only have an upside down smile. It's a frown. If they smiled, their faces would crack and their makeup would fall off. God doesn't want that for His people. Jesus came that we might have life and enjoy life and have it abundantly to the overflow. If that's what you believe He came to do, then shouldn't we be accessing that all the time? I believe it's not happening in the lives of a lot of believers for a very simple reason. I believe it's because we don't understand that Scripture teaches we must learn to let down our buckets. Because it says, with joy you will draw water out of the wells of salvation. And so here is a well. We've all seen pictures of these wells. And at the top there is a bucket and there's a little crank and you let that bucket down and down it goes into the well. It gets filled with water and then you bring it back up. I think we don't understand that God 
dug a well inside of us, but we're supposed to know how to go down, let down the bucket, and pull the water of life out so that it springs up into everlasting life. Don't sit around and wait to get blessed. Pause to praise, think to thank, and will to worship God. Say with me with joy. I will draw water from the wells of salvation. Now let's get clear on a few things today when it comes to our salvation. Let me be real clear. First, there is a well in every believer. There is a well in every believer. Can you say with me, there is a well in me? Say well. It's no mistake that Jesus encountered the Samaritan woman at the side of a real well. No mistake. He wanted to use a physical picture to paint a spiritual truth. After asking the woman for a drink of well water, Jesus said to the woman, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who was talking to you, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink of well water, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. Now she's walked a mile and a half every day to come to this well to draw real H2O out of this well. She meets a Jewish man sitting at the well. She's a Samaritan woman. This Jewish man looks at her and says, please give me a drink. And, and she hesitates. In the story, you sense hesitation. She's confused. What are you, a Jewish man, asking me, a Samaritan woman, to give you a drink of water for. You know that we don't mix. You know that we don't talk. And Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you, if you knew who was talking to you, you would instead be asking me, and I would give you a drink of living water. Well, what in the world is that? What in the world is living water? She looked at him and she said, Sir, how can you give me living water? You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to come up with this living water? Then she continued and said, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well? Are you greater than Jacob? You tell me you're going to give me something called living water, and I see that you don't even have a bucket to put down into the well? How are you going to give me living water? Are you greater than Jacob? Oh, if she only knew what she was talking about right there. Because Jesus could have said these words. Ah, yes, Jacob, oh yeah, I wrestled with him one night till the breaking of day, and he still resisted me, and I decided to pull his hip out of joint, and when we were done wrestling, I changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Yeah, I know old Jacob, and then there was another time I gave him a dream of a ladder going up into heaven, and then there was also that dark night of his soul when I led his son Joseph to Egypt for my purposes. As a matter of fact, dear, yes, I am greater than Jacob. The one looking at you always has been and always will be. But he didn't say that. He just simply replied, whoever drinks of this water down in this well, whoever drinks that Coke, whoever drinks that Dr. Pepper, 
Whoever drinks that bottled water you buy at the store, you're going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, there is something quenching about that water. There is something satiating about that water. There is something satisfying about that water. It's going to connect with your inner man and something you've been on a hunt for and a search for with all these men you've lived with looking from relationship to relationship for life. Lady, I'll give you living water and you will never... Never thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him, watch this everyone, will become in him, in her, a fountain springing up into everlasting life. The, the water that I give in him will become The word become that Jesus used right there is a Greek word that means to cause, to come into being. See, when you get saved, God goes inside of you, Christ enters your soul, and He causes something to come into being. What does He cause to come into being? He digs a well in you. He digs a well in you, and in that well He pours the Holy Ghost of the living God. Folks, I'm talking to you about what happens when you get born again. Jesus said, you've got to be born again or you will never see the kingdom of God. If you're not born again, you will never go to heaven. If you're not born again, you will be turned away at the gate. If you're not born again, he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. If you're not born again, you're not dressed for heaven. We got to get dressed for heaven my soul and body. We understand that if I'm going to go scuba diving, i got to get dressed for the water. I know that if I'm going to jump out of a plane, I've got to get dressed in a parachute. We know that if we're coming to church Sunday, some of us get dressed for Sunday. Did you know that you got to get dressed for heaven? And the only way you can get dressed for heaven is to be born again on the inside of you, and God will dig a well. Jesus is saying he would cause to come into being within us a well-producing, living water. He digs in you the essence of a well that is fed by the artesian springs of glory. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Is anybody hearing me today? When you got saved, God dug a well. That well is fed by the eternal springs of heaven. There is in you a fountain, and it's supposed to be springing up into everlasting life. Jesus dug a well in your soul and poured the Holy Spirit, which is the river of life, into it. Can you say with me today, I have a well. I have a well. We've got to understand this. We've got to know this. We're not sitting around waiting for something to bop us from heaven We're not sitting around waiting for some super saint to lay hands on us with enough oil to slide us into the next room. We don't need brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so to pray for us to get blessed. There is a well inside of you. Jesus repeated this promise when he stood up in the middle of the great feast of tabernacles and he cried out these words, If anyone thirsts, sound like Isaiah 55 verse 1? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his heart, 
out of his heart, out of the well that salvation digs within him will flow rivers of living water. That's what the peace and the joy and the sense of being alive was all about when you got saved. Jesus dug a well and filled it with his spirit. So say with me again, I have a well. You've got a well. If you've been saved, praise God, a well was dug inside of you. Now watch this. It's God's responsibility to dig the well. You can't dig that well. That's the well of salvation. That's dug by Jesus Christ. He opens your spirit up to His life. That's God's job. But it's our responsibility to let down the bucket. The woman said to Jesus, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, but we do have something to draw with. Remember Isaiah said, with the joy, with joy you will draw water from the wells. You will draw water from the wells of salvation with joy. Joy comes when you draw water from the well of salvation. You who are saved will tap into the spring. You will access the life within you. You will drink from the wells of salvation with joy. You who are saved. It's God's responsibility to dig the well the moment you're saved. But it's our responsibility to learn how to access the water that is in the well. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within you. Stir up, fan the flames of God, fan the flame of the Holy Spirit that is within you. Don't let those waters lie dormant. Stir them up. Let them flow out of your life. Now I've got news for you, church. Here's a news flash. We're not just supposed to tap into that well for an hour or two on Sunday morning then live the rest of the week without it. I thank God that we call our gatherings sometimes worship hour. But can I tell you, every day ought to be worship hour. And I'm not being fanatical. I'm being practical. If you want to walk full of the Holy Ghost, if you want the flow of God's peace and joy and strength in your life, then you better not wait for Sunday morning because you're going to crawl in here and look at us like we're your saviors and we got to pick you up out of the dust. No, you ought to come in with an overflow from what has happened all week long because you let that bucket down, you drew water out of the well, you brought it back up and you drank. People who say, well, you know, I'll just go have my spiritual moment Sunday mornings for an hour or two. I'll punch the time clock, go to church, punch out. Then I've done my duty to God and my country, and I'm a good old American Christian boy or girl. This is a description, when you talk that way, of subpar, mediocre, flimsy, weak-kneed, anemic Christianity light. Have you ever noticed we got light beer? We got light yogurt. We got light wine. We've even got stations dedicated to light rock. <laughs> light this, light that, light milk, light butter. Everything is light. It's only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time before the Christian experience would be watered down and offered in a more culturally palatable form as well. Now we've got Christianity light. For those who prefer a Christianity that's less filling than the regular commitment, I recommend to you Christianity light. It's everything you've always wanted from God and less. 
Christianity light. What is it? It's feel-goodism. It means never having to refer to sin, repentance, suffering, atonement, evil, or anything unpleasant. Say your prayers. Try not to hurt anybody. Never be judgmental, bless God. And everything will come out right and light. But I believe Christianity light is coming to an end because Christianity light has no bite. No, Christianity light has no bite. Even when I go out to eat, I like to put something spicy or hot on my food because I like bite. And I don't want a faith that doesn't bite where it needs to bite. Christianity light has no bite. It's fluffy. It's like cotton candy. It's like candy apples. Looks good, feels good, but it makes you sick to your stomach when you eat too much of it. It's the gospel gutted, the truth sterilized, the saints anesthetized, and Jesus marginalized. We're not like our cars that get once a week fill-ups. God intended for us to experience the filling of His Spirit on a daily basis. You can have Christianity light or you can have the real thing, bub. I want all he's got for me. Listen to the Bible's description of the early church. They weren't light. They worshiped together regularly at the temple daily. Uh-oh, daily. Well, those were first century fanatics. Now we have become more sophisticated. Now we've become smoother. Now we've become more intelligent and more educated. Those were just converted fishermen. They worship regularly at the temple daily, 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 regularly, met in small groups in the homes for communion and shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness, continually praising God, continually, daily praising God. This wasn't Christianity light. This was Christianity real. They worshiped regularly and daily, praising God daily. Some people never sing a song towards God or about God till they walk into church and pick up their hymnal and then they don't even know why they're there. You can either sing about Him or you can sing to Him. You can sing to Him. He's a person. He's waiting to hear from you. Phone home, E.T., The result of worshiping God, praising God daily, listen, joy, favor with their entire city and daily salvations. It says every day they were adding to the church those who were being saved. Could it be that daily worship and daily praise was releasing into the spiritual atmosphere of that city victory? It was breaking chains, loosing fetters, letting people go free. There is something in the spiritual arena that is released when we praise God. You say, well, my family's under attack, brother. That's the time to praise Him. Get in the middle of your living room. Lift up your hands. Give Him a joyful shout. Praise God. Release the anointing of God. I'm going to tell you the way I think. The best time to access the living waters is not in church. That's not the best time. Church should be an overflow service. The best time to let down the bucket is in the middle of rush hour traffic 
When horns are blaring and tempers are flaring, that's when you look up and you say, Lord, I praise you in this. This is a great time to let my bucket down. Or how about when the bills come due and you don't know where the money's coming from? Well, you can worry yourself to death or you can praise yourself to life. Let the bucket down right then. Well, nobody's around or I've got some people in the house. Shock them. Freak them out. I've done that before. Just start praising God. What? Look at, look at, hey, every freak in the world's coming out in our culture. Why don't we get a little freaky? Come on, church. The best time to let the bucket down is when the devil has attacked your home. When he's attacked your marriage, your marriage is in trouble, your kids have gone nuts, you are down under a load of trouble and worry, you don't know which way to turn, and you can't see a way out, you can either worry yourself to death, fear yourself to death, chew your nails down to the quick, or you can lift your hands and begin to praise God. This is not just something to do religiously. This is survival. This is warfare. This is a weapon in our warfare that God has given to us. When it looks bad and it's getting worse, that's when you say it's time to grab the bucket of faith and lower it into the well of my salvation. But too many Christians worry their way through problems, fear their way through difficulties, fret their way through trials, sweat their way through valleys because they've never learned to let down the bucket to the well of salvation and draw the water out. It's in the tough times when the rubber of your faith meets the road of reality. It's in the tough times you find out you've got a faith worth having, a Christ worth following, and a God who's bigger than your problems. If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in His Word could do. That's when you say, My God makes a way in the wilderness, a stream in the desert, and a path in the mighty waters. It's in the tough times. It's in our normal day in and day out, same old, same old drudgery world that we learn to access the well within us. That's when your faith pays off. If I cannot access my faith in times like those, I don't have a faith worth my time. Come on, church. If all my faith is for is one hour out of the week where I get together with a bunch of people that think the same way, sing a few songs about some distant God and go to the house and fight all my problems on my own, I have no faith. We've got to understand that worship is one of the means God has given us to let down the bucket. Worship is one of the means that God has given us to let down the bucket. Worship means to pay homage, to show reverence, to bow down. It comes from a Greek word meaning to kiss. So worship is a demonstration of adoration to God. When you are worshiping God, you kissing Him. Well, Meldred, it was all right till he said that. This is getting freaky. Where's the exit? Now listen to me. You were made to worship God. What would you think of a flock of birds that could not fly? What would you think of dogs 
that couldn't bark or run. That's what people are like who don't worship God. It's freaky. The Bible says that we're made to worship God. Listen to this verse. The Lord is pleased only with those who worship Him and trust His love. Jesus said the Father is looking for seeking worshipers who will worship Him truly out of their spirit in the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. Authentic worship is a demonstration of adoration, not habitual ritual. We are to worship God continually. Psalms 113.3 says, Worship Him continually. Praise Him from sunrise to sunset. David testified, I will thank the Lord at all times. His praise shall constantly, continually be in my mouth. And again, David said, I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord. Worship is the key to the Spirit-filled life. How many of you want to be Spirit-filled? Well, you're not going to get by with it. You're not going to experience it without worship. So, Pastor, do you mean that i got to lift my hands and be all demonstrative about it? No, you don't have to. You get to. But you don't have to. You can do it just like you can worship in many, many different ways as long as you worship God through Jesus Christ. But, but when it comes to the raising of the hands, let me just tell you, sir, it's probably a sir who's having a problem with that. Sir, I did too. But I, when I got my hands half-masked, I began to sense freedom. Because pride was keeping me as a male from doing this. I thought it looked sissified. I thought it looked sissy. But when I got my hands up, I realized real men praise God. David was a real man. Worship is the key to the Spirit-filled life. If you want to face Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday filled with the Spirit, listen to Paul. Don't drink too much wine, for many evils lie along that path. You'll make dumb decisions and go stupid places and do stupid things because it tears your thoughts, your resistance, and your will down. Instead, Paul says, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And how does that happen? Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music in your hearts to the Lord. Is that written to Steve Radke? Yeah, but not only. Well, that's just for musicians. That's for the choir. No, it's not for the choir. Something tells me that Paul was not only hard to look at, and I know he was hard to look at because he apologized to the Galatians for the way he looked. I'm sorry for the way I look. You had to really love him. He was hard on the eyes. Something tells me he was hard on the ears. I don't think Paul had some beautiful choir voice. But he said, guess what? I've learned when I'm in jail, when they've got everything against me, when they got the whole thing stacked against me, I've learned to make melody in my heart to the Lord. It wasn't that he was in perfect pitch. It was that a song was coming out of a heart that had been set free. And I'm going to tell you, sir, you can make up a song. I did it on the way here. Right after that near wreck, I started thinking, now I'm going to sing a song to the Lord. That's what I'm going to do. And so I started singing. And at first, it was a joyful noise. I'm the first to admit it. I was glad no one else was in the car. But then I kept singing. And before I knew it, I had a little chord progression going on. And I was singing a song to God. It says, make up a melody in your heart heart to the Lord. Sir, ma'am, lady, mister, you can do it because the well is in you and the one who anointed David the psalmist lives inside of you. The psalmist of Israel, Jesus Christ, lives inside of you. 
Whew, I think we might be getting somewhere. I feel something moving a little bit today. Roll away the stone and let Jesus in. Worship begins with a conscious choice to enter the presence of God. You will not feel the presence of God often coming and knocking you over the head, putting you in a headlock and saying, here I am, the presence of God. We learn to practice the presence of God. We practice the presence of God through worship. Psalms 95 verse 2, let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and let us shoutfully or joyfully shout to Him with psalms. Shout to the Lord with psalms. Shout to Him. I'm learning to think to thank, pause to praise when he least expects it. And, I'm, and when I would normally have not done it, I'm learning to do it. When I normally would not have done it, when I normally would have complained, grumbled, moaned, and griped, I'm saying, now wait a minute, Jeff, wait a minute, pause to praise. Why not? What have you got to lose? You might have everything to gain. And I've learned when I pause to praise, I release the power of God into my problem. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, I close with this. Thank God no matter what happens. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Thank God no matter what happens. Selah, that one. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Let's learn, church, to let down the bucket. When was the last time you were alone and you just let down the bucket? When was the last time you got bad news in the mail and you let down the bucket? When was the last time your kids went wacko? And you, I know, I know, pretty soon, not far, not, not long ago, let down the bucket because that's when he wants to invade your life with his presence then well my kids went nuts on monday i can't wait for sunday to go in there and praise god i hope steve can pick me up and pastor jeff can preach me to life listen <laughs> instead why don't you go wow it's monday and look what's happened but i'm going to let down the bucket because there's a well in me there it goes there goes the bucket of faith I praise you, Lord. I enter your gates with thanksgiving. I'm making up a new song. I'm just going to praise you. And you let down that bucket, and it goes down into your soul, down into that well, and it gets that living water stirred up. The springs begin to flow, and all of a sudden out of you start gushering and bubbling and coming forth the springs of the waters of life. And all of a sudden the problems that look so big now look small, and God looks so big who once looked so small. Amen? So let's stand together today, can we? I hope that these things are truths that are getting down in you and touching you on Monday morning. I hope they're making a difference during the week. Because if you can't access your faith alone, when the chips are down, you don't have a faith. Not really. Apply it. Apply it. Lord, we thank you that with joy, we will draw water from the well of salvation that is within us. 
I want you to take a minute. I sense God, the Holy Spirit here right now. I want you to take a minute and say, Lord, it's hard to remember to do this, but I ask you today, help me to remember Monday through Saturday to practice what I just heard. Stir up the spirit that's already in me. Access the well that Jesus has dug in me. Let that powerful Holy Spirit be released in me. Fight depression with it. Fight fear with it. Fight worry with it. Thank you, Lord. Says, I've got a river of life flowing out of 